Hey everyone, my name is Hunter Gross, and welcome back to the New Beginnings Podcast. My next guest on the show is one of the most popular composers in the percussion field today. His music has been played all over the world and has been a real inspiration for many in the percussion community, including myself. I started listening to his music in high school and I've continued to follow him ever since. And without further ado, please give a warm welcome to the podcast, my friend, Ivan Trevino. All right. Hey, Ivan. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. How you doing, Ivan? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Just trying to stay busy and, uh, you know, not uh, have a bad time while in quarantine. Um, yeah. I mean, how are you doing as well? Um, life's good. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's way different, obviously. <laughs> and um, it's been a challenge in some respects, like to try to find energy to be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a little one at home. Yeah. I'm sure that keeps you occupied. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Especially with no childcare. Um, we would just, we were so used to our schedule. And mm-hmm. um, I think for me, like, it's nice to have uh, that time during the day um, to be creative and explore. Um, and obviously now with no childcare, it's like amazing to spend a lot of time with my son. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, when I, when I do have time to do some music stuff, it's really yeah. hard to to muster it, you know. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I I'm back in my apartment from a university. But when I was living at home for a bit, my baby nephew's there, and with no childcare, it's just a constant, you know, watch and you know, babysitting and just constantly making sure they're not doing anything bad because you don't, have, <laughs> you know, the, the yeah. set schedule, like you said, and then schedules are changing twenty four seven. It's just it's kind of a, it's a weird wild time right now. That's exactly right, and. In this age in particular, he's two. Um, Mm -hmm. It just requires um, us to be there and just to make sure that he's um, not doing anything to hurt himself. And, you know, (laughs) like, obviously, like, be engaged and teach him things. And Mm -hmm. so it does feel, um, you know, just like a lot of energy is exerted doing that stuff. And I think it makes us realize, like, how how privileged we are to have childcare and and we, and we realize also like a lot of these childcare workers should get paid more, you know, yeah, for right. what they do. And obviously teachers too, with mm-hmm. people with older kids uh, having to homeschool and stuff. Like, I think it's opened a lot of people's eyes and hopefully um, people come out, you know, on the other side of this a little bit better uh, in terms of mm-hmm. the kinds of people that they are and um, what their priorities are, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's exactly how I feel. Finally, you know, even our art is being more appreciated now through social media because, you know, as soon as this thing started, everyone was like, artists, we need you now. We need to, you need to start making online content and all that. And people are starting to care, which is really interesting. Um, it it kind of sucks that we have to give all this away now for free when, you know, we can <laughs> you know, <laughs> try yeah. to make a, make a living out of it. But, you know, it's cra- times are just crazy right now. I know it is interesting to see all of uh, sort of an influx of online content happening all at once. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool um, in a lot of ways to see people realizing that I need to do this. This is important, not only for me, but for other people, too. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think it was always like that. Like, I think people always craved just, um, you know, more musical things happening online. And Mm -hmm. I think certain especially in our classical community, people just sort of shied away from it a little bit. Um, You know, classical musicians, the whole scene always um, sort of engages late with um, technology and with new trends. Um, 
Yeah. But it's cool to see people embracing it now. And um, I've been enjoying just watching people who I've never seen before. Like, I mm-hmm. don't even know who some of these people are putting stuff out that's really wonderful, you know? So yeah, that's pretty no, cool. Yeah, I've been loving it. Just it's the same reason. It's just, you know, seeing everything from just webinars happening 24-7 or people just playing solos they record in the living room. It's been really nice to see. Well, mm-hmm. how, how have you been coping during the crisis? Have you tried anything new on a new pursuits or hobbies or anything like that while you've been stuck inside? Uh- um, well, you know, I, um, I, I've always been a runner uh-huh. and I think I've really like, if I have, you know, during Henry's nap time in the day, mm-hmm. I'll have, you know, an hour to two and a half hours yeah. to do something. And usually, um, I'm going to run. I love mm-hmm. running. It's, I feel like it clears my head and that's been a wonderful sort of hobby that I've always had, but that I've really sort of gotten into more, mm-hmm. um, and other than that, like just spending time with with Henry, um, getting to know the children's book literature, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and then with my wife, like um, it's been great too. Um, we've been parenting together, and that's been just super fun. And mm-hmm. you know, we at the end of the day, she works too, and mm-hmm. um, we're you know we're both pretty exhausted. So we we usually turn to a couple of TV shows that we'll watch for mm-hmm. an hour or so, and. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing crazy, man. I haven't, I haven't had a lot of time, honestly, for, for new hobbies. Um, but I I think, you know, depending on your situation, some people really have a lot of time, um, which is Mm -hmm. awesome, you know, and I look at them and I'm like, wow, that's good for them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what this whole thing got sparked out of. I just had so much just doing nothing. I was like, I need to do something. And I, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start a podcast and we're going to see what, you know, what happens and kind of go with it. Cause I, I have a slight stutter a little bit. And I was like, you know what, I want to make myself get better at something while kind of impacting the community as well. So, you know, that's great, kind of, man. Exactly. Well, man. I, well, welcome to the club. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I have a stutter too, man. I've had mm-hmm. it for a long time. And I, yeah. and actually, I think you're right. Like the more public speaking you do and things of this nature, um, mm-hmm. you sort of become aware of it, you know, and maybe yeah. to a certain extent, you know, mm-hmm. I've been really listening. Joe, Joe Biden a has a Joe Biden has a stutter, too. Yeah, um, he does. He does. And I mean, look at him now trying to become president. I know is, it's, it's just, you know, trying to put stress on myself in a you know, a recording environment and trying to talk has been the kind of key and i've really seen myself really improved in a lot of ways which is really great so i think you're doing great man <laughs> appreciate it yeah all right well let's let's kind of jump right into it um like i when we were talking over email my whole purpose for this was kind of obviously you know better myself in different ways but you know reach out to you know the professionals in the different arts communities and kind of get their um their information and their experiences throughout their career to where they are now and and try to bring um light to the situations that they had and the struggles that they had in their life that, you know, it wasn't all perfect daisies and rainbows all the way to where they are now. You know, everyone goes through problems and struggles. And I think that's really good to know as a, uh, you know, undergraduate student or a high schooler or something like that. So that's kind of when I've been gearing my uh, podcast towards. Um, So I guess we can kind of just begin with, you know, kind of just give me a background of where you began with music and art and kind of how you got to there where you are now. I mean, it's probably a long journey, but, you know, uh, I really like hearing these things. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in a musical family. When um, I was growing up, my dad had a band. He's a songwriter. Mm-hmm. He plays guitar. And um, 
there was just instruments all around all of the all of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think I started playing drums. My dad tells me this, and I've seen photos when I was around two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just always a part of who I was. And honestly, I'm not very good at a lot of things. Um, and I've always found that um, I, I love music in part because it felt like a natural thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't ride a bike. I can't swim. <laughs> Like I was really um, struggling as a kid and music Mm -hmm. was that one thing that I could do and I felt um, like I could say something with. So um, I started playing drums, uh, started playing guitar, bass guitar, piano as I was growing up. And um, I would play out a lot. My dad, his band was sort of like a gospel Tejano band. Mm -hmm. Tejano is like a South Texas genre of... um, sort of uh, Mexican-American music. And um, eventually I uh, got to middle school and I was going to do percussion, but I saw like a concert or I forget I went to a rehearsal or something and I saw that the percussionists were doing like (laughs) stuff that didn't seem fun to me. You know, like I was used to playing drum set and Mm -hmm. playing in a band and sort of improvising and... um, it seems like something that I might not enjoy. Um, so I decided to take up saxophone and I got really serious about it. And I studied it all the way through my junior year in high school. And I think I had it set in my mind that I would major in saxophone performance. That was going to be what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my junior year of high school, uh, my high school hired a new percussion teacher, like, a, you know, which in Texas, is a thing <laughs> yeah. um, pretty awesome. And he w- was doing percussion ensemble. And at the time I had never really been um, exposed to percussion ensemble on that sort of level. And I fell in love with it. I thought it was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and I, I asked to, to be involved in it. And I, you know, I started playing in it. And then I got to a point where I went home one day and I was like, mom and dad, I'm going to quit the saxophone. And this is what I want to do. Because I liked playing sax, but man, I was having such a blast doing percussion stuff. Um, So then I had a big sort of gear shift and I just had to practice my butt off to try to catch up. And honestly, Hunter, even uh, to this day, I think I'm a better sight reader at saxophone than I am at like keyboard percussion, just because (laughs) that's what I started reading music on as a sax. Sight reading still scare, scares me a little bit. Um, so if anybody's <laughs> feeling like that, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, so, uh, so I switched over, started practicing a lot. I was lucky that my high school teacher was an Eastman School of Music alum mm-hmm. and um, talked to me about college and Eastman. And I didn't know what Eastman was, um, but he said it was a good school and I believed him. And I went to audition and my audition was okay. It wasn't great. Honestly, I was super nervous, but um, I also had an interview for the music education uh, department. I was going to be a double major if I went Mm -hmm. there and I had a really good interview and a lot of the Eastman uh, philosophy of music education, at least at the time, was sound before sight. So a lot of improvisation, Mm -hmm. a lot of singing, a lot of rhythmic patterns that you would sort of just audiate. Um, as opposed to reading right away. And that was stuff that I was really good at because I grew up playing mm-hmm. in this band. And um, so my, my interview went really well. And I think that sort of helped uh, John Beck at the time uh, sort of give me a shot because I think he was on mm-hmm. the fence about me. 
Um, so, so yeah, so, uh, you know, I played an orchestra for the first time at Eastman, mm-hmm. um, and that was, that freaked me out, you know, <laughs> I, f- I forget what we played, but, um, I just remember thinking, well, what am I doing here? Um, I didn't quite feel like I belonged at first just because the whole scene was so new to me. Um, but you know, I, I, I kept my head down. I kept practicing a lot. Um, I was lucky that John Beck was my teacher. And, um, at the time I started sort of composing music. Um, I had always sort of been a songwriter in high school Mm -hmm. and he, um, he encouraged me to do that. He encouraged me to keep writing. He didn't, you know, he didn't say, no, 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 that's not what you're here for. Um, he said, if you like writing, like, let me help you. Like, let's make this a thing that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started to compose music when I was in college. Um, I started a cello rock band. Uh, called Break of Reality that still plays to this day. That yeah. started in 2003. Um, so, so yeah, I was composing. I was playing in this weird cello rock band. Um, I didn't quite know what I was going to do yet. Um, so I moved to New York City after graduating. I played with Break of Reality there. Mm-hmm. We made it a full-time thing. So we would play shows all over the city, try our best to put together enough uh, shows to pay mm-hmm. our rent. We played in the subways. We played in Central Park. Oh yeah. We sold CDs uh, in those places. Um, it was a crazy scene. But some of my favorite musical memories are are playing in the subways for just a random assortment of people. <laughs> that was so special to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think in classical music we sort of get used to playing to one type of audience, and that really helped open my my mind up to what was possible. Um, in terms of the music that we were playing and the type of people we could reach. Um, so anyway, that went on for about a year and a half or two years. The cello band had some member changes. Michael Burrett took the job at Eastman. And I had worked with Michael in a couple of summer seminars at Northwestern when he was there. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved working with Mike. And I had always wanted to study with him. And um, it just never quite worked out. And he got the job at Eastman. The band was going through these changes and it seemed like the perfect time mm-hmm. to go back to school and, and to go to an environment that I was familiar with and study with a teacher that, um, you know, I had always wanted to study with. So, um, you know, Mike put me through the ringer in a really good way. Um, he was a wonderful teacher for me. I learned a lot about music and he had always been sort of a role model, like composing and performing his own music. I always thought that was awesome about mm-hmm. what he did. Um, and there was something like, there was like a rock and roll spirit. There is a rock and roll <laughs> spirit about Mike when he plays, you know? Yeah, no, for it's, sure. It, it's not like a classical musician playing. It's something, something else. And I always loved that. Um, so anyway, I finish up there, my second degree, my master's degree from Eastman. I graduate and, you know, no job prospects. Mm-hmm. So I start making sandwiches at the sandwich <laughs> shop right next door. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I'm not feeling great about stuff, mm-hmm. but I knew that I had to do something. And um, I, I feel like working at that little sandwich shop was really nice because it gave me something to do. And it gave me a, a little community of people and coworkers to befriend and to, um, I don't know, it just it gave me like a family to, to be around. And I mm-hmm. felt like in a weird way, I had a support system. Um, and it was wonderful. 
And um, I found a, a job on Craigslist for a music technology position at a community music school in Rochester. Mm. I know nothing about music technology, really. <laughs> but I had a good interview. Uh, and I got the job. And that opened up a lot of avenues for me to teach um, percussion, songwriting, composing, a school of rock. I was doing so much um, at Hochstein. Um, <laughs> I was spreading myself pretty thin, but that's what you have to do, right? Like that's, yeah, the, sure. that's the business that we're in. And at the same time, I started to compose more. And um, I wrote Into the Air the year that I graduated. And um, yeah, that I decided to self-publish it. My wife was like, you should really get a website and, and just do this. And she encouraged me to do that. And nobody bought my music at first. <laughs> nobody really knew who I was or, yeah. you know, it, it like I, I had a MIDI um, audio sort of recording of Into the Air that sounded mm -hmm. really bad with like the finale <laughs> sounds. Yeah. You know, it, it was just bad. But eventually, like one or two people bought it. They had played uh, my first piece originally, Memento. They said, oh, I'll give this a shot. You know, I have a friend and we want to do some duos. And um, eventually things just um, in, a, in a good way started to sort of snowball. Like someone would put a YouTube video up of Into the Air and then another one would pop up. And eventually Mike Burt was like, oh, you wrote this for me? Like, let's play it together. <laughs> um, and, and we ended up recording it. And I sort of feel like that piece really sort of uh, was, a, was a tipping point for me, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of getting my music out there. And, um, and then I started to write more and more. And I was lucky that I self-published. And that, that allowed me to create income with my composing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to survive, you know, yeah. back then, especially, but now as well. Um, and yeah, and then people started to call and, um, you know, some commissions popped up and started writing more and more. And also just for me, started composing more. And I realized that I really loved it. Um, and like, regardless of whether people were playing my music or not, like, I think I would be writing music anyway. I just love... I love writing music. I love getting to the end of a piece and feeling like this goal has been completed. Mm -hmm. um, I figured out this puzzle. Um, I think that's why I do it. I, I love obviously the human interaction of people playing my music. That's uh, so special as well. Um, but I think just the act of, of creating, even if it's just me, um, is really fun, you know? And I fell in love with it and eventually it got to a point where I didn't need to uh, teach um, as much or, or do as many things. I could really focus on composing and the publishing stuff. Um, so yeah, that's in a nutshell. Yeah. Sort of my, and, and that journey, um, you know, from writing my first piece in my undergrad, Memento in 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. My second piece was in 2010. And now today, um, you know, I have a, yeah. a lot of different pieces. No, that, that's beautiful. I mean, it, it's been, you know, a long journey of, you know, just different avenues and different adventures and just trying to find something new. But I mean, it's really, it's just really inspiring that you found your niche and where you want you fit in this kind of community of percussionists that we have. And just in music yeah, in general. That's an interesting point, actually. I feel like if I would have went a different route, I'm not sure I uh, 
you know, I'm not sure things would have worked out the same way. You know, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure I have it in me to, to play orchestral music or to, um, to have a, a good audition in an orchestral setting. I'm not sure that's who I am or what I can do. I feel like I can play solo percussion instruments pretty well, but I'm not sure that I would become a soloist. I'm not sure that I have that in me, to be honest, you know? Um, so I think I, you know, I'm lucky that the thing that I love to do is the thing that allows me to, to, you know, make a living and to, to do it every day, you know? Hey everyone, I'm back again without Ivan. Uh, the technical issue monster struck again with our conversations, and uh, I'm getting starting to get really tired of Zoom, like I'm sure all of you students are too. Um, so we had to stop that conversation and try another method of recording, uh, which we fortunately figured it all out. So, all right, let's get back to it. Two, Two three, three, four. four. Close enough. Good enough. All right. I'm good. You're recording. All right. We're back in it. <laughs> awesome. Anyways, I, I, for, I totally forgot what we were talking about before, um, but I kind of let's, let's just throw a, just a kind of question to get back on track here. Um, so what th- throughout your entire career? Um, obviously, there's a lot of up and downs, um, a lot of different, you know, mountains to, to go over and a lot of problems to solve. Were there any, I guess, significant struggles that really shaped who you are today as you as an artist and as a composer? Um, and if there was, you know, how did you overcome those issues? Well, I think one thing that I struggled with mm-hmm. was was being comfortable in my own skin artistically. Mm-hmm. I think in academic settings, people often, um, you know, view music through a very sort of serious lens. And um, what I mean by that is it can often be approached from a super academic perspective. And that's like exactly the opposite of how I grew up playing music and what I knew music to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought about um, analyzing things so much, or I, I never thought about an audition process and what that would be like, you know, um, yeah. like auditioning for an orchestra and having like three people in this huge concert hall, <laughs> sort of just, you know, judging every single thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also foreign to me. And I know music for me, like, I knew it as a as a thing that um, was community driven, and I knew it as a super creative process. Like every musician that I knew growing up would arrange their own music and write their own music, mm-hmm. and that was really foreign to me too. Because in academic settings, that doesn't really happen as much. Um, so I think I struggled with um, worrying about you know me writing this sort of pop centric music and how that might be perceived mm-hmm. in our, you know, in our sort of, I don't know, just serious music world, you know? Yeah. And, and I think um, it, Into the Air, uh, you know, that was, I had nothing to lose at that point, man. I was making sandwiches, like I said earlier. <laughs> I was I was teaching little kids drum set. It, you know, I was just, I was like, I just needed to write what was inside of me to write. And I wasn't thinking so much about, you know, I have to be a composer. I just, I thought about, um, you know, creating something that felt honest. And it it sort of, you know, 
I, I think that piece really sort of captures what I do. It's sort of a weird thing between songwriting and composing. And um, I think the process of, compo of creating these pieces is the same as well. It's sort of somewhere in between. Um, but I think at that point, I just decided, you know what, um, I'm just going to write what I write and, and, um, and that's it, you know, that's going to make me happy. But yeah, I yeah. think, I think just being in the academic world was, was a challenge and, mm -hmm. um, trying to figure out how to, how to navigate that. And while at the same time creating the music that I wanted to create, you know? Yeah. I mean, no, for sure, man. I mean, that's uh, how I think a lot of students kind of struggle with today is trying to find, you know, should I do this because I love it or should I do it because I need to make money or, you know, should I follow my passion or should I go with the, uh, the route of trying to, you know, make a living? I mean, that was something I struggled with trying to decide if I wanted to even go through music in college. I remember being in high school, like my first couple of years, I was, you know, kind of dumbfounded on the idea of you can get a degree in music and make a career out of it. Um, and I mean, my life was kind of a, a whole question until I think I went to an orchestra camp my junior year and then we, we played orchestra and there I was like, all right, I have to do this. I have to, you know, pursue this and make a life out of it. And then with, if I, I knew personally, if I didn't do that, that I really wouldn't be happy as a human being just because this was something I enjoyed so much. And, um, I mean, that's something I'm kind of struggle with and I'm trying to find now as a, you know, going to grad school. It's just, all right, well, I did my undergrad, got my basics out of the way, all the techniques learned, but now like, what do I want to do? And that's kind of a question and a fear that I kind of have is, you know, as soon as I graduate my master's is, all right, what's next? I mean, there's so many opportunities and so many different roads you can go down, but there's so many different uh, like potholes you can hit on the way. Or, you know, the road, it may be, you know, dark and the road won't be able to see it or anything like that. But, I mean, that's just kind of the, the scary thing. Um, so, did, did you kind of have that fear uh, when you graduated from Eastman of trying well, to figure out, like, what am we going to do after that? Or I mean, I did a little bit, but mm -hmm. I will say that um, I didn't feel as much outside pressure, um, mm -hmm. like, like getting a job or, or getting work like um for, for for me um I don't know I just I felt like whatever I ended up doing in music whether it was you know teaching drum set to five-year-olds or doing school of rock or mm -hmm. doing anything in our field is like a blessing you know I think it's really special like a lot of people talk about making it like oh you know <laughs> like what does that what does that mean like for, it means something to different people and it means different things to different people. But for me, it's like doing anything in music is making it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think yeah. I think sometimes we lose perspective of that as students and we see all of these maybe people we look up to that are super successful and have maybe like a prestigious collegiate job or are performing, you know, all around the world, you know, 200 days a year or whatever it is. But... Um, any, any path in music that you can find, um, is special, I think, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I, and, and I think maybe that will, um, or maybe that can at least be a, a perspective that people consider, um, and instead of maybe finding their ideal job, which quite honestly, um, there's so many people graduating with music degrees, 
Um, it's very <laughs> difficult for everyone to find, you know, the exact ideal place that they might want to be. But um, if they maybe take a step back and realize that music is important in whatever path you you end up doing, um, maybe that will change things a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I I, I totally lived that. This um, at PASIC, I, I did the college to collegiate all star thing and did a concert with you know like twelve to fifteen other collegiate students who were just all amazing and just like great people. But something I learned is you know we all have basically the same goal and like similar goals and we're all the same skill level and i mean this uh, the whole thing of percussion being a career started with just so many just limited people you know only a certain amount of people became you know marimba soloists back then but now there's hundreds of people and hundreds of college graduates that want to be a marimba soloist or they want to be you know like colin curry or be anything like that or you know like compose like ivan trevino or something like that you know there's just there there's so much that the, the the market's so flooded right now which is i think kind of the the scariest thing um but I mean, that's also, I think it's really good because it makes us really specialize in something that we want to do. Um, yeah, that's true. And, and I also think that's perhaps why we should consider things beyond our, you know, traditional sort of path. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I always like to talk about is I feel like in academic settings, we often segregate our uh, musical selves, you know, there's like composers over here and there's performers who study performing and there's educators who study music education and theorists, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, you know, maybe the way things are going now, if, if you can teach and, you know, maybe you can play and you also write music that you perform yourself and you have a lot of different ways to express yourself musically, then maybe that's the, you know, maybe that's the route that will help people the most is mm-hmm. instead of pigeonholing themselves is, is really and truly embracing what it is to be a musician. And, and that means, you know, uh, reading the language of music and, and writing it and speaking it and improvising it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's why I think makes percussion really special is we're really, we're like a Swiss army knife. We can, you know, play in a Broadway show on a Saturday and then play in church on Sunday and then play a rock show on Monday and, and then play a marimba recital on Tuesday or something like that. You know, we, we're, we're so versatile in what we can do and our instruments just, it's so young. It's like a couple mm-hmm. a century even right now. And, it's the whole aspect of, you know, if I'm going to be a violinist, I'm going to join an orchestra or I'm going to join a string quartet. And that's why I find that's kind of freeing as a percussionist is, you know, we have the ability to choose your own path and the ability to really define ourselves as musicians. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something I really kind of, I think is sad to see um, in a lot of colleges that the kind of transition towards uh, the thinking towards freelancing, how if, if you're a freelancer, you haven't made it. And, if you're if you're not like you were saying, you know these famous people or a really respected collegiate educator, like you're not gonna make it. But I think I have so many friends and fellow colleagues that just are freelancers and they love their life and what they do, and and they're doing fine in every aspect of life, which is really nice to see. That you know, if you don't get a college job right out of your master's degree, you're not successful. Um, and there's so many ways that you can be successful, and it doesn't have to be that one pinpointed direction that we all kind of look at and in the percussion and in the arts community. Um, yeah, and also I feel like success for for 
most people has monetary sort of connotations. Oh, for sure. Yeah. On it. Um, but I feel like going into music, like, um, hopefully you're, um, you're doing it for other reasons. Like, I th- I don't think art has ever been about making money. Like if you, if you, if you want to make money, um, there's many ways that you could do that in life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's a certain sort of sacrifice about being an artist um, that we that we should at least be aware of. And, and sometimes in, in college, they don't really make that super clear to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but I, think, I think, you know, hopefully students are going into it knowing that the goal is something bigger than a paycheck, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully when you get these music skills and uh, are making art, then, you know, maybe at that point, it's good to, to, you know, to, to think about, well, how can I, how can I create some income through this? But it's definitely not a field that you go into expecting to, you know, create a, a lot of income. Like that's, I don't think that's, that's what it's for. And it's never really been about that, you know? Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of like what you're saying with the college, collegiate thinking that that's really what I've been feeling the past four years of doing an undergraduate degree. It's like, all right, how can you market yourself and how can you make money? And it's like, I, I got some good advice thing from my friend, Josh Quillen. Um, he, he, I think he was talking to someone on one of his, on his podcast and he was saying, would you rather quit music completely and work, work at another job and make a lot of money? Or would you rather work at McDonald's, but continuing, you know, being your percussion quartet and play gigs <laughs> and do that and, you know, make work another job financially, but, you know, you're still following your passion. And I mean, that's something I think a lot of us as artists, we have to uh, really ask ourselves because, you know, the world is a cruel world when it comes to the arts and it's not going to be perfect, but, you know, we can make it enjoyable for ourselves, which I think is why we do music is for ourselves and others, which is really interesting to, uh, I mean, really kind of comprehend. Um, yeah. Um, so this is kind of like a question I like to ask everyone segueing into the kind of goal of the podcast. Um, and I, I really, I want to talk to you because you're more of a composer oriented person now. Um, so, cause you're, you're composing full time now, correct? Yeah. That's, that's basically my job. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, like publishing definitely is associated with that. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's what I focus on, and I also travel and play mm-hmm. um, as part of my job as well. Um, yeah. But the composing part, I I would say, is is a majority of what I do. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's great to that's an amazing feat to even you know say publicly is you know I'm a composer and I'm making it as a composer. It's just like wow. <laughs> what do you do? Like movie scores or something? I mean, that's the first thing that I think people no, come I mean, to thought. No, of course, and and um. You know, I think it's it's amazing, first of all, that there's a community of people that um, can support me writing percussion music. Like, I write other music, too. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I feel like um, I've sort of uh, made a career in composing in this sort of percussion genre. And I was talking, I forget, maybe it was John Beck, my old teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and Mike Burrett to a certain extent too, but like the idea of of uh, being a, a composer that sort of specializes in such a niche genre, mm-hmm. uh, y- you know, even like 15 or 20 years ago uh, didn't seem possible. And I think now with, uh, you know, obviously like social media and digital platforms, 
having such a big space in what we do that's obviously helped somebody like me mm-hmm. and um and then with self-publishing and all of this stuff um but anyway yeah. it's it's incredible man i i feel super fortunate and lucky and mm-hmm. um i i feel like um yeah i, I you know i really I, I feel so fortunate every day i, I think about that it's mm-hmm. just um, yeah i, just I feel mean really lucky yeah, I mean, it's just you're an inspiration to a lot of people I know who, you know, I think really your music it has really popularized the aspect of I can, you know, play percussion music and write it at the same time and and kind of go along that route of a career. Um, but kind of on that, um, like this is a, a question I like to ask a lot of people. Let's say I'm like a, a composer or a percussionist and a composition major or something at a university, and I'm kind of stuck in the middle of my undergraduate career, um, like a sophomore, junior, and I have really no idea what I want to do or where I want to go um, towards trying to find a career in the arts. Um, what would you, what kind of advice would you give me as a student in that situation? Well, um, you know, it, that's hard to, to say because every everyone is going through different sorts, sorts of ch- challenges, mm-hmm. but I can speak from my perspective. Yeah. And... My my perspective is I was um, lucky that um, I I I didn't um, have a set goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't have a thing that I you know like I was in school freshman and sophomore years like this is exactly what I want to do. <laughs> um, I was lucky that I was open to things, and I was open to to what came my way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. I think it's nice just to stay open, to try new things, to collaborate with people, to do things that make you uncomfortable. Um, for for example, for me, I remember being at Eastman during my undergrad, and one of you know one of my friends said, "Hey, can you play in my cello band? And we need you to play drum set." And <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my God!" There's people at Eastman who like major in drum set. And like I do, I, you know, I play some drum set. I played in my dad's band. I played in some punk bands growing up and stuff. Um, but that wasn't like, you know, I was, it wasn't coming from a place like these other drummers at Eastman. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, instead of saying like, no, I'm not, you know, that's not in my wheelhouse or whatever. I took a chance and I did it. And that turned into a, a really big sort of uh, part of my musical self, you know, is playing in Break of Reality and, and uh and that that turned into a, a a composition outlet, and it turned into all sorts of stuff, um, traveling all around. Um, mm-hmm. But I think just having an open, an open spirit, an open mind about what could come up, and um, what opportunities may arise, and not pigeonholing yourself in a, a particular sort of path. At least for me, that was uh, really helpful. Um, so I think that's what I would say. And I would also say like like going back to segregating our musical selves. It's like I, I meet many young musicians who um they you know they they do percussion or whatever they, they are studying in college and then they go to the car and they listen to music that has nothing to do with their studies mm-hmm. and they go to concerts that have nothing to do with their studies, you know. Um and it's sort of uh, like it's 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 strange to me that those two worlds uh, can't coexist for some people. You know, mm-hmm. I think if people could embrace their musical um, 
differences in their musical diversity as opposed to segregating it, um, maybe that would be a wonderful thing. I I think for me personally, I've uh, found that embracing, um, you know, embracing the the things that um, made me different and embracing um, the parts of my musical life that were so, you know, opposed or, or just didn't really ever mesh just by embracing those things and, and bringing them together, um, I was, you know, I've been able to 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 reach a lot of people through my music, and I don't know, I think I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Uh, I mean, when, when I kind of look at myself, like I, I'm a really big um, like heavy rock metal enthusiast kind of guy. So when I think of the writing a lot of my percussion music, it's really, you know, I, I take a lot of, you know, drum set stuff and a lot of rhythmic stuff from metal and hard rock. And seeing, and especially in your music, you know, it's it's really pop influenced, and I think there's definitely we should always try to find something to kind of latch onto. Um, and then something you said that really stuck out to me was, you know, take like all the opportunities that you can. I think it's really important to, you know, keep yourself well rounded and ir- allow yourself to really be open to anything in life that may pass by you whether yeah. that's if you're because i i for personally myself with drum set i never played drum set until my freshman sophomore year in college and i was thrown in jazz band and i had to figure it all out from there but i mean when i when i was thrown into it i was like well i mean i'm gonna have to learn it at some point i might as well kind of do it now and um and that's just being thrown into a band and i think hmm. i mean as a student, it's really important to keep a lot of those things open. That way we don't limit ourselves to certain different, you know, aspects of life in general. Yeah, that that's true. You know, I heard Stefan Harris say this once at a master class when I was a student at Eastman. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, there's too many good kids out there. There's too many kids who just do whatever their teacher says and they play exactly like their teacher and they don't really have a, a focus of something that they want to do necessarily. They're just sort of, you know, doing whatever they're told to do. And, you know, maybe they're being a good student, but maybe they're not being the, their most creative self. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of truth to that as well. I think for a younger person, like finding that thing that you love to do artistically regardless of <laughs> what it has to do with your curriculum or with your your private lessons like that's really important mm-hmm. and being brave and taking a chance on it um i think is so important you know um, yeah and that's a, that's a tough thing to do it, it, you know i'm not sure everybody has it in them to take a leap of faith like that um i know for me in undergrad i got offered a teaching job in texas right out of my undergrad to be a mm-hmm. percussion director, actually to take the place of my former percussion teacher in high school who, yeah. who ended up getting, you know, telling me about Eastman and stuff. And and that was such a tricky decision because mm-hmm. I had this job that would pay me money and it would be wonderful. Um, or I could go to New York City and figure stuff out with this weird cello band. And um but, you know, I decided to, to take a risk and um, to take a chance. And I'm so happy that I did, you know. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely have to take, you know, risks in life to kind of, that's just kind of part of life is taking risks and kind of taking leaps of faith, especially in a career in the arts. Um, speaking of New York City, I, last spring break, I went and took a couple lessons at Juilliard and NYU and just kind of, I was never been in New York in my life. So I was like, all right, I have to go see the city and explore it. And I was immediately just greeted with so much just appreciation and love for the arts. I think I went to a, a concert, at, I think it was at the Iridium with Dave Weckl, I think, was playing drum set for some band. And I went and watched it. And while I was there, I met like, I'd say four other drummers who invited me to a dive bar at 2 a.m. to go play drum set with them. <laughs> and it's just and the, there's those connections. You, they can't be made in any other place. But I mean, with you know, so many people in one condensed area, it was just really fascinating to see. And I absolutely loved it. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the best place to be right now, but it's it, it was sure. definitely really enticing to trying to come to grad school there. And it's like, man, I could I live mean, here. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, I think there's things that um, Break of Reality did in New York City that we couldn't have done anywhere else. You know, mm-hmm. and at the same time, you know, I I I think about this a lot. Um, for for some reason, um, you know, people think associate like New York or L.A. Like those are that's you go there to find success in music, but. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it's like people need music everywhere. And, um, you know, maybe the person in uh, rural America who's teaching at a public school is making, in a weird way, even more of a difference than mm-hmm. people playing in these large cities, you know? So, I, yeah. yeah I I mean, it's, just, it's interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, all these famous drum set players and percussionists come from, you know, some small town or somewhere that no one knows mm-hmm. about. And everyone gets started there in some high school band, um, which is really great. Um, something that I haven't been able to talk with people yet um, is about having, you know, like starting a family and having a family while being a full time, you know, musician or you know a self-composer, self-published composer. Um, how is that kind of, you know, trying to, you know, start a family while trying to start you know a full career in composing when you when you started a family were you full-time you know already full-time composing or what was happening with that Uh, yes absolutely um for me and and my wife I think we felt like we wanted to start a family when um we felt uh comfortable Mm -hmm. uh in terms of you know supporting another member of our family Mm -hmm. and um, that's definitely something that we talked about a lot, you know, um, my son's two right now and I'm 36 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that gives you an idea of sort of where, you know, where, yeah. where our thinking was in terms of starting a family and how that might fit. Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, you know, obviously everybody has, uh, you know, different sorts of thoughts on this and, and people should definitely do whatever works for them. But I think for us having, uh, you know, Start, started a family in, in a more established uh, place in our careers definitely um, has been a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, there, a lot of decisions now are, are a little bit easier to make. I think I can't imagine actually starting a family, you know, when we were, when I was in New York playing in the subways <laughs> or, or just, you know, working at the sandwich shop or, or that would be really, really difficult for, for me personally, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my wife would probably say the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think, um, you know, for, for us, 
being in a place where we 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 knew we were ready and, and felt like we could support someone w- was important. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. I mean, it's, it's so hard to find that financial comfortability where you're able to, you know, okay, I think we're, we're ready for one. I mean, that's, that's something me and my girlfriend kind of ponder over as we continue in our life in the next couple of years. It's like, well, we want to start a family, but you know, when are, when's that going to be, you know, comfortable enough for us to, to do that? And I think that's a, a question that a lot of people have, yeah. um, especially and, and, you know, finishing I- grad school and stuff like that. Right. And, and I think that's, um, you know, that's one of the difficult things about finding, you know, choosing a life in the arts is there's a lot of unknowns and mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of, you know, ups and downs. And um, and that's part of that. I think it's part of that sacrifice that you, you talk about before. It's like you sacrifice sort of this normal sort of life planning um, you know, in exchange for, for being creative and making art and having an impact on other people's lives and your lives as well. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, I think there's a, you know, pluses and minuses and you just have to weigh those things. Yeah. Um, I think before diving in sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the larger questions in life that, you know, sometimes don't pertain to music of how how, how much should I crescendo in one moment or something like that. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, sure. it's, it's, it's the bigger picture things. Um, but yeah, so what, what have you been up to recently that, you know, you want to mention on the podcast before, you know, don't want to spoil anything, but uh, anything oh, no, you want to mention? I, yeah, sure. Well, um, you know, I haven't been doing a lot of writing. Um, mm-hmm. It's been really tricky. But I do have um, a couple of projects in in the works, mm-hmm. and uh, one is um, I'm writing a piece for Cameron Leach. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned sort of metal drumming, but it will be like a drum set feature uh, with uh, percussion, maybe quartet. Uh, yeah, quartet behind him. Oh, awesome! And and it's going to feature a lot of drum set, and and Cameron actually. Um, he is a, you know, he's a drummer and mm-hmm. not just a percussionist, you know, he can play drums. He's played a lot of metal drums. So I, I really want to incorporate, um, you know, that sort of sound and that sort of playing, um, to feature him. Um, but yeah, so that's one thing that, um, it's been on my mind and, you know, I have like a lot of sketches for this piece. Mm-hmm. And once I think once, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get childcare back. <laughs> hopefully in, in the not too distant future and once that happens then i can really sit down and flesh that out so i'm mm-hmm. excited about that and but the one the other project and really this has taken up a lot of my free time in quarantine it's um i'm writing a book that is sort of a quasi composing book oh yeah uh, and sort of like a, a musical creativity book and i haven't talked to a lot of people about this but um i'm essentially i've taken like 15 short little musical seeds mm-hmm. and they're for other musicians to explore and to grow. Um, I feel like a lot of people want to write music and they don't always know where to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and this might be a great way to just explore music in a different way that people might not be used to, um, especially in our academic world. And I have yeah. like audio aud- audio files that come with each little musical seed and if people want to throw them in logic or garage band and, and manipulate them or add to them. Um, so, so is it like you kind of give them like the beginning of something and they have to finish it through? Uh, yeah, it could be the beginning of something or it, or they might perceive it as, 
sort of just a, an inspirational idea that you might arrive to, gotcha. or it could be something that you manipulate entirely into something that, you know, maybe is a little bit different than what I've given them. But mm-hmm. um, it's sort of just these inspirational seeds, you know, just something to help people explore their writing and their arranging. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I definitely, <laughs> that, that, that would be a definitely, I think, needed, res- needed resource in our uh, community today. I remember um, I was taking lessons, I think comp lessons my sophomore year, and I was completely just stuck creatively of trying to write music i think my my teacher my professor was having me write a piece for flute and cello or something like that and i was listening to so much music trying to get an influence but nothing was there and i I can't remember i think i listened to uh, some miles davis or something like that immediately it was like all right jazz flute and cello just gotta just go with that and (laughs) and and then something came out from that and it was it was a piece that was just horrible but i mean it was something that kind of came out 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 there so i think that that's that's great man i'm really really excited uh, to see that you know i i think it's interesting like in the non-academic music world like co-writing music Mm -hmm. is something that happens all of the time you know, I and I did this a lot in high school and even in college and, and, and with the big trouble getting getting in a room with somebody or, or picking, a, you know, getting a musical idea from someone and sort of adding to it. Like that's mm-hmm. normal. That, it's normal to, to co-write, to collaborate. And mm-hmm. in, academic, in the academic world, that's not really a thing that happens a ton. Um, and, and I'm hoping that people might embrace that idea. And, and, and I think during COVID where people are looking for for different creative outlets and and I know teachers are looking for th- new things to do with their students, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a whole different thing now. Um maybe this was this will be a nice thing that um you know, people can find some joy in. Um I hope, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, it's that that's the the best thing that's coming out of this is, you know, we're kind of rethinking how we think about music and how we think about performing and I mean that, that's when something I talked with my orchestra director about a week or two ago and he was talking to me he was like Hunter I need advice how am I going to have orchestra next year um, right because our university I think the our regulations came out for next semester and they're going to have classes but if it's over 40 it has to be online so it's like all right what happens to orchestra wind symphony marching band what what happens to that and, and now I think professors and teachers are just scrambling to find out how can I do anything that's just not zoom calls and watching concerts and reading I mean to if we're paying so much money for an education like this they they want it to be you know worth while um and i think that's just that kind of the greatest question that we have and that we'll yeah. hopefully all need to work together with so i think that's exactly right you're exactly right man so mm-hmm. anyway that's that's sort of that's been a, a project that i've been spending a decent amount of time on and it's been mm-hmm. a lot of fun um and i'm hoping that you know even if a f- if, if a few people embrace the idea i think it would be really cool to hear you know one idea done mm-hmm. in many different ways you know i think that's that's something that that makes me excited about it and and hopefully just giving people an outlet to to be creative and try something new so mm-hmm. yeah man well yeah i appreciate you you know talking with me man I, i've you know i've heard your music and your music for a long time now i think I, I first got started in high school like seven years ago or something that by my percussion director um and i mean i think i don't think i was there i think you came and did a PASIC or a pas day of percussion in oklahoma at some yeah. point yeah i, I, I did i, I did I it at that. um uh yes i did and i'm trying to think of the school uh was it union 
Yes, it was Union. Yes, I, I remember, remember that. that. Yeah, I did a I did a little composing session. Uh huh. And um, I think Mr. Bruce was there. Yeah, Adam Bruce. Yeah, Adam he, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, he was so sweet and such a wonderful mm-hmm. um, host. I, yeah, I remember that that um, that day really uh, fondly. Actually. Yeah, I'm I'm really blessed to be part of that kind of whole community of Union Broken Arrow and growing up in Owasso and all these different places. That it's just really rich in the arts community and. Um, so I mean, yeah, no, I've been following you for a while, man, and hopefully, you know, keep in touch and different things. I mean, kind of with PASIC and hopefully, I mean, start trying to start a career in percussion, man. I'm sure be a be reaching out to you some for some stuff. So yeah, hey, anytime, and thanks for having me, and thanks for doing this um, podcast. Like I, I feel like when I was um, in school and younger to hear. Um, to hear something like this would be really special, you know, especially mm-hmm. all the different types of people that you're having. Um, I think it's really wonderful, man. So keep it up. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, man. Uh, you're look welcome. F- looking forward to talking to you again. Let's talk soon. All right. Sounds great, Hunter. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, man. Take it easy. Okay. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ivan, for the great conversation and chat. I had a lot of fun talking with you and getting through all the phone calls and Zoom calls that we had to do to uh, get this podcast going. Um, you can check out Ivan's music on his website at ivandrums.com. Uh, give him a follow and you know check out his music. It's some really great stuff and it's just really good for the soul. Uh, and also give this podcast some support with a follow on Spotify and a rating on Apple Music if you could. It would mean so much to me if you did. I love hearing back um, from you listeners and how I can improve and make this a better podcast experience for you guys. Um, Let me know what you think. And I mean, I'm trying on my part to make this the best possible podcast uh, possible for you guys. So, all right. Well, thank you all for tuning in and I'll see you next time on the New Beginnings Podcast.